Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. Here we are again. Night number 10. 31 for 31. It's just as exciting as it was the first night. Except I'm a lot tireder. Wait, is tireder a word? I don't think so. More, <laughs> more tired. tired. More See tired. what I mean? Yeah. So oh, my brain. We're podcasting into delirium. <laughs> and we're only 10 days in. We're yeah. not even halfway done. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just now about a third of the way. Yeah. But I have to report that uh, looking at these stats on our on our blog, uh, people are still listening. And our numbers are improving. So thank you all for listening. Yeah. For those of you who are sticking this out and listening, I, I, I'm curious as to why. That's, uh, aren't you curious? A little bit, yeah. Like, who's listening? I don't know, but they're awesome. I look it up, and I, 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 so there's a way I can, I can't, all I can see about you whenever you listen to the show is I can see from where you're listening. So I don't know who you are or what you, what you're doing or when you're, I guess I know what time you listened and then I look these, I just do a little thing called, so I can see your IP address when you log into our webs or when you click on whatever it is you're clicking on. And it shows me, you know, you're listening in Kentucky or you're listening somewhere in Texas or you're listening in Ohio or you're listening in Canada. It just shows the city or the area where you are, the nearest big city, I guess, to where you are. And I think I don't even I don't know anybody there, who who is listening. So doesn't that blow your mind? The internet is amazing. Yeah, but aren't you kind of curious? Like, what are the people that would listen to us talk? What they're like? They're obviously really cool. They're really smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're you guys are with it. So we appreciate your faithfulness. And they know what's up. And hopefully it's been. Edifying. I mean, I think, I think we're trying to um, do something edifying here. So we're we're we are in the throes. Uh, as it's, you know, it's if you listen to the podcast, if you've listened to all of them, it's like our our life is a cycle. You know, it's like there's the new year, then it kind of works up into the May frenzy. I think everybody's life is like that. Yeah, especially if you have kids. Yeah. And then the thing about May is school's going to end and there's dance recital. So we're into full-blown dance recital mode now. It's dance recital week. And we had a little bumblebee today. Yeah. She was cute. And so cute. And then how, what was Adelaide's outfit? It was a white ballet dress oh, just with sparkles on it. It's just what you would think in your mind? or Yeah. It looks exactly like a ballerina dress, what you would picture. Oh, really? Like with a tutu? Well, it's got a big um, tulle skirt. Yeah, that's not what I picture in my mind of ballerina. I think of a of a really stiff tutu. Oh, okay. Is that normal? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that what ballet dancers wear? Just trust me. When you see this dress, you'll think that looks exactly like a ballerina. Yeah, I'm sure I'll think that. But you told me something that's not true. You said it's exactly what you think of when you think of a ballerina. <laughs> and what I think of is... You know what I'm talking about? That like yeah. That goes straight out. Yeah. And you're like, what? What is that? 
why are you wearing that? That's how I feel <laughs> when I see that. I think you'll like this. this it's is, pretty. It's real classy looking. Yeah. Yeah, good. So, uh, that means that Saturday, I'm going to watch like 7,000 dances, and I'm fired up for it. Yeah. So, I'm ready. So, tonight at dance recital, dress rehearsal. I try really hard not to be that mom, you know, that shows up unprepared, disorganized, Mm -hmm. out of sorts. Mm -hmm. Well, tonight I was walking up to the auditorium where we have rehearsal and all these little bumblebees were scurrying into the theater and they all had these cute little black wings on Uh their bumblebee costume. Don't tell me. Yeah. You didn't see the wings. No. Yeah. That's because you're 40. <laughs> They're like, y'all, that senior lady that's got that little kid, that grandma. Do not even say that. Oh, my goodness. There are people in our church younger than me who are grandparents. <laughs> younger than you. Brandon's younger than you, and he's got a, he's got a grand, two grandbabies. Yeah. yeah so, we could, so we could be grandparents. We're old enough now. To be grandparents. I think that's really young to be grandparents. But yet, it's true. It can happen. So they're thinking, that old lady, she must be like, you know. Yeah, and the bad thing was is that we had pictures. And Did you borrow somebody's so wings? So the picture lady took another little girl's wings off and put them on Emerald. Uh-huh. And Emerald also didn't have her bows for her shoes, her tap shoes, because they were in the same bag with the wings, which I did not see in the bag. <laughs> and so I didn't bring them. I didn't know the, those existed. Lesson learned. Take the bag. And so Emerald stood in the back of the pictures, in the group pictures, so that it wouldn't show that she didn't have her wings or her bows. Mm. I was that mom. Was she upset about it? No. Yeah, well, she was good. cool about it. Yeah. But I felt really bad for her. Yeah. Mom fail. But that happens every now and then. Yeah. Things don't always go according to plan. And when you live 20 minutes away, you can't just run home and get the wings. Well, I was trained at, at Adelaide's Dance School in Texarkana to be very afraid at dance mm-hmm. recital season of making mistakes like that. But luckily, our current dance teachers are really cool and sweet. She goes with the flow a little more than Miss Kathy. Big time. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, everything worked out okay, but I did feel a little bit dumb that I walked up and I I said, um, is this supposed to have wings? Yeah. They were hanging in our laundry room in the bag that she gave me. <laughs> oh, well, don't worry about it. They're working for us. What I should have said to Renee was, I'm so sorry. We're podcasting every night, and I just don't yeah. have it together. It's affecting our, <laughs> our ability to get wings over to Graham. <laughs> I feel bad for her. But did they do their dance, their dance rehearsal? Yeah. And it was good? It was cute. Yeah. You would think that these would be things I would talk about with you like when you got home. Like, how was it? What happened? And yet yeah. we start podcasting. I'm like, well, how did it go tonight? <laughs> Yeah, See, we're weird. having to save even our normal conversations. <laughs> like, don't don't talk to me. Don't don't say that. Save it. Save it. Save it for the podcast. Do not even tell me anything meaningful. I do not want to hear it. That is for our listeners. That is not just for our personal marriage. 
It's like a reality TV show now. You know, it's just all out there. I'm glad there aren't cameras. Yeah, they're thinking, I don't know if I want to listen to this anymore, because she's a wing forgetter. <laughs> that poor little girl was trusting her mother to get her wings to Graham Memorial Auditorium. Yeah, I remember when I wrote that post about Matthew McConaughey and that lady said, I felt so sorry for your kids that they have you for a mother. And you're like, you don't even know the half of it. Yeah, now I'm proving her right by leaving the wings at home. I know. (laughs) That's what I always think about when I receive any criticism. I just think, you don't even know how bad it really is. Yeah. Like when they say, you're no good, you're this or that. I'm like, look, I know that. You don't even know how bad I am. How lazy! Do you I really am. think that? I really think that. Yeah, I That's think. That's good. I think all criticism is really deserved. It's like the guy I was talking about Sunday when I used to sign guys up for probation, and they would, and I would say, "Look, you're gonna you're gonna have to go in and tell the judge that you're guilty of this crime." And the guy would say, "Well, I'm not guilty of this crime." Yeah. I would say, "Well, uh, he's going to ask you if you're guilty. So if you don't want to sign these papers, we need to have a trial." And he would say, "Think about it for a minute," and he'd say, "Well." You know, I'm guilty of a lot of stuff. I'll just pretend like I'm saying I'm guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, that was always fun to see their uh, go in there, and they they would tell me like I didn't do this. You know, here's here's what really happened. They would tell me, and I would think, man, that's crazy. But we can't go in there and uh, and tell that to a jury full of people that are normal because they won't <laughs> believe it. For one thing, they've never heard anything that crazy. They won't sympathize with you because you are a criminal, and, you know, it's just not going to work out. So I just feel like whenever someone is bringing, leveling the criticism against me, I think, yeah, you know, they're just, maybe maybe they're not even being reasonable, but there's plenty of reasons that I should be critical of myself. Hmm. Yeah, you know, maybe not everybody feels that way, but uh, I don't even know how we got to talking about that. You know, the other thing I remember about... um, uh, or a quick freebie. You know, it's supposed to be 31 things to teach your kids in 31 days. Here's an extra. All right. Here's a little extra. Is that one thing we learned at that dance school in Texarkana was that you should always, you should always, uh, kids should always stand up when adults. I didn't learn that there. Oh, I thought you had to learn that there. No, I was insulted that she suggested that I didn't know that. Oh, so what's the rule now? The rule is that if they're... I'm just, <laughs> Why do you have that look on your face? Well, because I've given you a hard time. I mean, I know that you already knew it, but it was a really <laughs> terrible moment, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like a bad dance mom moment. Yeah. But, but it was it was like a total... It was one of those things where somebody doesn't know the whole situation, and then they just come out, and they're like... Whoa. She chewed me out. You got chewed out for no reason. Sawyer and I... Sawyer was a very small little guy, probably two years old. Mm-hmm. We were in the little waiting area waiting for Adelaide to do her dance class. And while we were in there, you know, we were in there waiting. And then these two grandmothers came in. And there were other mothers and grandmothers waiting around. No dads. But anyway, the grandmothers, you know, I said, Sawyer, hop up and come sit over here. And the grandmothers were just adamant that he needed to sit in that chair because he was being really good, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, as usual, and I said he cannot sit in this chair while y'all are standing up. Can't do that. You made a big deal deferring to them and their seniority. 
And they said, if he gets out of that chair, we're not sitting in it because he needs to stay right where he is. You know, it was just a, like a real friendly, yeah. sweet exchange. Right. Well, then out comes the, the, the dance guru. And she looks at me and she looks at Sawyer and she says, children should not sit when there are adults standing in the room. <laughs> she said that in front of that whole room of people. Them's fighting words. And that is a rule that I am really a stickler about. Yeah. Because but, I was taught that all growing up. And then when you, that one time you broke it, you got yeah. busted. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Totally busted. So what did you do? Did you push her? Did you knock her down? I punched her in the stomach. You did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I didn't even say anything. You just did what every good dance mom does when she forgets her wings or she gets chewed out by the teacher. You just bow your head in embarrassment and shame. Exactly. And you move on with life. Yeah. Pay the tuition. Um, get them there in the, with the bun in their hair for recital. Yeah, this morning, I, st- I had I had ordered a few months ago. A black T-shirt that says hashtag Dance Mom in gold glittery letters. Were you wearing that? Well, I bought that to wear it specifically for recital week because I thought that'll be hilarious. I'm sitting out there in my Dance Mom T-shirt. And then this morning, I decided at the last minute not to wear it. It's Providence. So glad. Because <laughs> yeah. what if I'd shown up with my bragging shirt? Did y'all see her shirt? <laughs> it was like, I'm the best Dance Mom. Wear your wings, lady. <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you believe she, it was sparkly and hashtag like she is so old. She probably doesn't even have an Insta account. <laughs> Which I don't. <laughs> See? <laughs> I don't understand Insta. I don't understand Insta. I really, I like Twitter, but it's still, fa- I, I'm just sort of like flabbergasted by it. I don't understand it. I never look at Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm not I, good I like at, Twitters. I'm not good at, at uh... I like tweeting. Not good at most social media. Facebook is about all I can handle. Yeah. And that's just for old people now. So what, everybody's, fa- Facebook? everybody's following stories over on Insta, and I'm just over there on Facebook with all the Damn. grandmas. But all, all Instagram is just people taking pictures. Yeah. It's just people taking pictures of themselves like, I'm eating a hamburger. Or what was the, whatever the senior adults were talking about? Were they talking about tweeting? What were they talking about? Or texting? They were talking about texting. When texting became popular. And I was a senior adult minister, and I took some seniors to eat, and they were saying, well, what is, they, they didn't call it texting, they called it texting. Yeah. What is what is texting? I don't understand what texting is. And one said, oh, I got these two grandkids, and they'll be texting all the time, just back and forth. They'll be just sitting right across from each other at a restaurant, but they'll just text each other instead of talk to each other. <laughs> well, and the one said, well, what, what is it exactly? How do you... How do you text? What what is that? They were just they couldn't, they'd never even seen it or heard of it. It was oh, it's like President Obama gets on there and texts. I'm over here smoking a cigarette in the rose garden. <laughs> <laughs> I thought what a weird. <laughs> oh man! So that's us now. We're like, what is Insta? I don't understand Insta. There's probably a whole culture about Insta. Oh yeah. And we're missing out on it. But I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Me neither. I'm like, hey, I got to be a kid in the 80s. Talk yeah. about missing out. You missed out, man. E.T., Rubik's Cube. You missed out. Pogo ball. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. Back back in the day, we didn't have phones laying around. We had tape recorders. And we had um, we had uh, Michael J. Fox, baby. 
Yeah. Yeah, we had the real deal. And our parents were just locking us out of the house all day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they let us watch anything we wanted. Yeah. So how about that? There you go. <laughs> I was trying to watch it. I, I thought uh, I showed Adelaide a YouTube video of Bo and Luke Duke jumping in and out of cars and shooting stuff with bows and arrows. It was just like a compilation of. Yeah. So then I was trying to let them watch it. And the first episode of the Dukes of Hazard is not family friendly. No. Just let you know that right off the bat. That may be another thing to teach your kids is don't start <laughs> Dukes of Hazard in the first season. Because I think it di- either it became more family friendly or our parents were totally out of it. There are so many things that I think, oh, the kids would love that. And I go back to kind of preview it and I'm going, what What in the world? I know, it's nasty. How did our parents let us watch this? Yeah. So to parents out there that raised us that are maybe listening like our moms, <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> Why did you warp our brains with all that fun? <laughs> no, I don't know. Sawyer really wants to see gremlins. Yeah. I don't know what the what the verdict is on gremlins. Like, How do you... How would you watch that taking the violence out when basically the whole thing of Gremlins is these little monsters doing really violent things all over? And you know what's funny is it seems like he's got the Lego dimensions. He went to Gremlin land. He got like the Gremlin dimensions. And the Gremlins are in the movie theater watching. And he's like, what happens when they watch a movie? And I'm like, I don't remember. I haven't seen that in years. But it kind of looks like um, Bedford Falls. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, it was a Christmas in the, like it was a winter Christmas movie. Yeah, it was a Christmas movie. So I wonder if it's kind of a, like a, a dark sort of uh, retelling of It's a Wonderful Life or something like that. And we don't realize Um, it. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't don't think it's that deep. But it's got a little Frank Capra touch to it with the snowy city. And it's even called Something Falls. Huh. So there's Maybe that was just a nod to the Some movie. kind of a homage. 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 It was just an homage <laughs> to, uh, to Frank Capra. Okay, we've homage. been talking for 18 minutes about... Doodly squat. Nothing. <laughs> okay, let's get on to our topic. Our topic tonight is teach your kids to pray. Teach your children to pray. So prayer... Um, Prayer is one of those things that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Uh, and if it seems to me that prayer, at least in my spiritual life, is, has always been a very, like the weakest part of my discipleship. It's easy for me to read. It's easy for me to study. It's easy for me to kind of modify my behavior, you know, to be good, mm-hmm. to act righteous when I want to do something discipleship-wise. Prayer is always the hardest thing, and I think that is something that people feel across the board, that they would say, if you ask them, where do you struggle the most in your in your discipleship, I think they would say, I'm prayerless. Um, I think part of that's so we don't understand the, the power of prayer, the purpose of prayer. Um, if you want to get the prayer temperature turned up in your, in your life, uh, I think my, my suggestion to you would be to Go to YouTube and type in Martin uh, 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 Leonard Ravenhill. Type in Leonard Ravenhill and listen to some Leonard Ravenhill sermons, and you'll start praying. Uh, he really is convicting about it, don't you think? Yeah. Ravenhill sermons—they just really are, are. Everything he talks about comes back to 
We you don't, know, you know why? Because you're not praying. We don't pray. We're not, we don't <laughs> pray. We are not a faithful people. We're not a faithful people to pray. <laughs> he's, he's got this uh, accent, you know, and I mean, he just. You read the story of Leonard Ravenhill's life. I mean, it was a, it was a, his, especially his early days. He was part of this band of fellows that would walk all over England, pulling a cart. They were like pull the cart with their bodies, mm-hmm. and they just walked across England, sp- spreading the gospel. And they weren't sure where their next meal was going to come from, and they just prayed. They said, "We just kneel down and ask the Lord, Lord to provide." So he's really forged in prayer. And I think it's hard for us to pray when we have. I've you know said this for years about my lack of dependence on God might be in some way due to the fact that I have all these credit cards in my pocket. You know, do I, am I depending upon God? I think prayer always comes from a posture where we're rec- we, we, we tend to pray more when we tend to understand that we need the Lord, that we need him to provide, that we need him to take care of us. Right. So we, we've got, that's I think maybe how we approach prayer with the children is that we want to teach them to pray because they need the Lord. They need God. It's not this that he's, He's there to help them, is that they need him. Mm-hmm. And so um, we want to give them a, a picture of who he is or, or a, a vision of who he is. And I think through, we, we accomplish that through, through prayer, don't you think? I do. So a good time to pray is, uh, and is, is at night, or we pray uh, every day at, when I drop the kids off for school. So that's kind of part of our routine is to have a prayer, and maybe I'll pray. It depends on the time. Maybe I'll pray. Maybe the kids will pray. But that's a good time to pray in the morning. In the car, we pray, mention things. Uh, We've actually even started reading the Bible in the car. So we get in the car. (laughs) Adelaide reads the Bible to us on the way to school. (laughs) And then when we get to the parking lot, we pray. And then the kids get out. And I think they like that. And they even notice if we haven't done it. They'll say, oh, we haven't prayed yet. So we'll, we'll have our prayer and uh, you can pray at night before they go to bed. You can pray before meals. You can pray during during a family time uh, just to talk about having a prayer. And let them hear you pray and you let them pray and talk about their prayers. Talk about how they're praying and, and what kinds of things we pray for. So, um, you know, one of the things I've tried to teach the kids is when they pray. Uh, and I don't, do you, I, this is more just like a pet peeve. I, I don't know if this would help you. But it's something I've that that I've thought of. Uh, when you pray, Jesus said, "When you pray, say, Father." Now I think we understand the model prayer that it's a it's a type of prayer. It's a, a way to pray. But I think the address is a good way to start off. Is that in the way that a child is dependent upon his parents, in the way that a child is dependent upon his father to provide. I like for them to say, Father. Yeah. And I've tried to teach them that. Say, Lord, or say, Father. Because it's interesting that kids, when they, when they pray, they, all, they always want to say, God. God this, God this. And I think in my head, which God are they talking to? You know, our God is Father. And Jesus taught them, when, when you pray, say this, our Father and I've noticed that they'll even catch themselves sometimes. Have you noticed Sawyer will catch himself? Yeah. God, oh, I mean, Father. <laughs> they get that in their mind that, you know, I think that's biblical. That's what Jesus said, pray to the Father. Um, 
Now, I don't think it's wrong to pray to Jesus. I don't think it's wrong to pray to the Spirit. I think they're God, and, and that's they're they're all God, and you can pray to God. Um, but I like to say Father, because it, because I think it, it it's it's indicative of the relationship, the type of relationship that you have, uh, and you're teaching them their dependence upon their heavenly Father, and that's a real valuable lesson I think in. If you're just going to say, what are the nuts and bolts of teaching kids to pray? Well, teach them that he's a father. And then I think when they're little, you know, don't try to be, don't try to be hyper, too hyper theological when you're teaching them, right? I mean, you know what Emerald prays for the hands and yeah, the pillows. She prays for hands. She prays for pillows. She prays for a clown that came to our church yeah, clown three came years to, ago. Yeah, he said, kids, I want you to make me a promise. Every time you pray, pray for Shaggy the Clown. And she prays for Shaggy the Clown every time she prays. He had them raise their hands if they would commit to pray for him. And she had – I wonder how many children around the world are praying for Shaggy the yeah, Clown. Yeah, he's probably the most blessed clown of all clowns. He must be. He was pretty awesome, though. He Remember was how awesome. he was able to get up? He was like a Mexican circus clown. So he was able to, he like had the big, the way they draw the eyes on Super Sabado. I don't and ever he, see that anymore. Had, Is he, Telemundo still a thing? I don't know. But you remember they would have like Super Sabado with the clowns on, on, on uh, Super Sabado and, or Super Domingo. He, and he would, he had the gigantic red clown shoes and he jumped up on a giant plastic ball and balanced on the ball while he juggled clubs. Yeah, it was amazing. We loved it. He was good. Yeah. Did he have the whistle in his mouth? Was that a different clown? That's uh, a circus. That was just, that was just recently at a circus. <laughs> yeah. We, we, only so awesome. We had this circus come to town called Cole Pepper Merriweather, Cole Pepper or something like that. Yeah. It was an actual circus at a tent. And I think they had the clown with the whistle. Yeah. Those guys are annoying. I I wasn't there. I was at dance yeah. class. But the the clown. Hashtag the, dance mom. Hashtag dance mom. <laughs> You're earning that shirt, girl. Make sure you bring the wings Saturday. I will I'll have I'll be the on wings. standby. Maybe I should just follow you and bring what you forget. <laughs> but anyway, Shaggy was great. She prays for Shaggy. She prays for hands. She prays for pillows. And then she just prays for other things. But, she, you know, she she has very sweet prayers. And Sawyer says very sweet prayers. He's always concerned for people traveling and sick people and... You know, yeah. Just let them pray, but teach them to do it. And you, and then you pray for them when you go in at night. I prayed for Emerald this morning. And she said, um, I pulled her over and I prayed for her. And she said, why are you, why do you pray for me? And I said, because I'm your dad. That's what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? She said, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's neat when you, when you establish the fact in their minds that when you're facing something or when something's going wrong or someone's not feeling right or someone's sick or someone's unhappy, if you start using prayer as mm-hmm. the first place that you turn with them, then before long, they will ask you to pray for them mm-hmm. in different situations, which mm-hmm. is always so sweet and touching Yeah. whenever they ask for prayer when that's they're where not they feeling w- well. Or, and that's where they want to turn. Yeah. Is they want to turn to the Lord for help. Um, once again, it comes back to modeling for the kids, you know, what you want to see them doing when it comes to prayer. Yeah, and by no means are we, like, on fire prayer warriors like we should be. I don't, we are I don't not. know anybody that is. Yeah. But I tell you, we did we did commit. So how, how long ago was that now? Like, not this past October, but the one before that? Yeah. yeah. 
So we went. We had Steve and Debbie Wilson. If you if you need a great marriage seminar at your church, you should look these guys up. Steve and Debbie Wilson. We've probably talked about them on the podcast before, but they came to our church and they challenged us to pray together in October of 2016. Was that when we yes. had them? We probably need to get them back in Olney. Um, in October 2016, and they challenged us to pray with each other, and you know we. We made that a habit, and so that's that's. Uh, I think it's been a really nice part of our marriage, don't you think? I think it's made a huge difference. Huge difference, yeah. Just that's to, something we've always struggled with, uh-huh. I think, and I think a lot of couples do. And yeah. it's partly, I think, because here's someone who sees you at your worst, uh-huh. and and it's almost harder to feel spiritual around your spouse sometimes than around any other people because you think, oh, this person knows me so well. He knows I'm a wretched person. You know, he's, how I feel about you. he saw me throw that tantrum about this or that. He saw how I acted with no faith whatsoever in that situation. And sometimes that can make you feel like a phony, I think, whenever mm. you try to pray together. But we don't need to look at it like that because the truth is that it's really hard to be upset with, mad at, irritated by someone that you're praying for and that's praying for you. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing that I think makes a huge difference in marriage is when you are praying together. It's a very intimate thing, and it's something that kind of accomplishes some things that nothing else you can do in marriage will accomplish Right. as far as closeness, as far as supporting each other and loving each other in that way. Yeah, and I think it really it does really bond you in a certain way. I know that's not the purpose of it, but that's a that's a, it's a benefit. Uh, it's a byproduct of, yeah. of it. Here's a from a this is on Desiring God, Ten Questions on Prayer with Tim Keller. That's the article. Uh the let's see if I can give you a date on this. October thirty first, twenty fourteen. And this has been something I've thought about quite a bit. This is a prayer that they ask um Tim Keller says, last December on Twitter, you were asked, why do you think young Christian adults struggle most deeply with God as a personal reality in their lives? And you replied, noise and distraction. This is the interview we're talking to um, Tim Keller. And Tim Keller said, noise and distraction. It is easier to tweet than to pray. Sadly true. We are fickle people. For all the many benefits of digital technology, we're tempted to get distracted from prayer by tweets and by our Facebook feeds and texts and emails on our phone. In a sense, we want to be distracted. That's really true, isn't it? Yeah. I think we desire those distractions. We don't want to be bored. It's funny how we have everything at our fingertips, and yet we can find ourselves bored. You've already identified this as a problem earlier. So what counsel... Would you give to a Christian who finds him or herself lured to distractions when they're trying to pray? He said, I've answered this question. I mean, there's no way of just simply saying this is, that this is something I must spend time doing. There's no way around simply saying this is something I must spend time doing. In the book, I tell a story of how my wife used an illustration on me. If the doctor said you have a fatal condition, and unless you take this medicine every night from 11 to 11.15, and swallow these pills, you'll be dead by morning. If that was the case, she said, you would never miss. You would never say, I was too tired, or I didn't get to it, or I was watching a movie, and I didn't leave time. You would never do that. And so when people ask, how am I going to get to prayer? How am I going to deal with distractions? 
I say, maybe you don't believe you need prayer. And that is a theological, spiritual problem. And there's nothing I can do except tell you to get your heart and your mind straight on that. Having said that, once you determine you must do it inside your prayer time, it is hard sometimes to keep from being distracted. That's where meditation helps. Martin Luther said if you warm your heart through meditation on the scriptures, and of course that's not, that's not mystical meditation. Meditation for a Christian is thinking about the truths of scripture. So when your heart starts to really warm up, you go into prayer because you want to pray and you want to praise and you want to see and you want to confess your sins. And I, I, it says meditation on a passage of scripture keeps me from being distracted in prayer. You say, okay, what does it mean to me? How do I praise God for this? How do I confess for this? How do I petition for this? Meditation warms the heart, absorbs the mind, so I'm not distracted. So the answer is twofold. You must decide prayer is something you must do, and there's nothing I can do to help you with that. But once you're inside, meditation keeps your mind from wandering. So you, when you are praying, I find that when I pray, I get to work in the morning and pray, I find my mind is running in a million different directions. It's not doing that at night when we pray. Because all my mind is thinking is, stop talking and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But in the morning, that is true. It's really distracting. um, I think you just have to focus on what you know is true. And it helps me me to say words out loud, or at least to whisper them. Sometimes if I can hear myself whispering prayers, even when other people are praying, if I'm in a corporate prayer meeting, because this is... Maybe I guess this would fall under, you have to know how to pray to teach your kids to pray. But when I'm in a corporate prayer meeting, like on Wednesday nights, we started praying, you know, in an extended way, just around the room. And sometimes we'll pray for 30 minutes uh, or longer. And that's a long time to keep your mind from wandering to, and hearing things and closing your eyes and seeing things in your mind. If sometimes I'll just start to pray out loud, whispering where only I can hear it, and that keeps me back focused till I can kind of focus in on what someone else is saying. But I think for couples, I would, I would say, uh, challenge you in this way. even for those of you who are not married is I've read, um, that illustration that, uh, I think his wife's name was Kathy, um, said to him that, that about the taking the pills, if you had to take the pills every night or you would die. Yeah. That's the way that they started praying. And he said it took us years in our marriage before we started praying together. But that was what she said that got them to start praying together. Yeah. It wasn't the pastor that had the idea either. It was his wife. <laughs> yeah. She's like, listen, we've got to pray together. Listen, if this was medicine and you had to take it every... I mean, I take my blood pressure pill every night because yeah. I'm scared. Because if I don't take it, it's a bad day the next day. Right. And it's the same thing. I, I never want to miss it. And when I miss the, when, whenever I miss getting the prescription refilled, I know I'm going to have a terrible day tomorrow. Right. Uh, because of the way the blood pressure medicine or not having it makes me, when I'm, I guess, my natural state, I don't feel good with high blood pressure. So, um, you know, make time for it. Decide what? it's something you have to do. When you decide it's something you have to do, you don't really miss. Right. And when, when we pray together at night, it is less than five minutes most yeah. nights. And um, I think that just doing that, just opening that, little door into praying together has helped us be more likely to pray about things Mm -hmm. that come up, you know, like if we have a decision to make, if we have, you know, somebody's walking out the door to go to a meeting, you know, or something, I think we're more likely to say, Hey, let's pray about it real quick. Mm -hmm. Or just to say to each other, before we make a decision on this, let's just pray about it separately. Mm Mm-hmm. We've done that some too, and that's not something that we would have typically done before we started praying together at night. 
Yeah, so you start to think of prayer as something that you need to do, something that's important and essential to the Christian walk. And then, you know, I'm a desirous to have, you know, to try to turn that prayer temperature up in the church. And that's that's a process. That takes a while We've got to, because we've got to become convinced that prayer, that we need to do it. And it's, it's kind of sad sometimes we think, well, you know, I don't want to do that. We don't want to have prayer because what people feel too embarrassed to pray. I think, oh, man, not sad. You know, the believers in Acts chapter 4 weren't afraid to pray. They lift, They all lifted their voices up, and there was an earthquake when they prayed. And we're too afraid to pray. Maybe that's why there's no earthquakes. <laughs> so. another, another element to this, I think, is um, something important that I learned by reading about John Newton and about his mother. John Newton's mother died when he was only six years old. Um, but he remembers very distinctly she had a prayer closet in their house and she would go in the prayer closet and she would pray for hours at a time. She was just one of those people that was just, prayer was just so essential to her life. And he remembers he would be walking by that closet and she would pull him into the closet and just put her hands on his head and she would pray these amazing prayers over him, you know, for his, for his spiritual future and present. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he grew up to, he, he really went astray and then he had a kind of a dramatic conversion, but he, he said his whole life that he could still almost feel his mother's hands on his head Mm. in the prayer closet. And that was before he was even six years old and what an impact that his mother had on him. And, you know, she was praying. She wasn't just saying, um, dear father, please help John to have a good day today and help him to um, do well on his math test. I mean, she was praying deep spiritual truths over her son. Mm -hmm. And I think that mothers and fathers, we do pray these deep prayers for our children a lot of times, but it's rare that we do that in their hearing and in their presence. And I was really convicted after I read that story that I was going to start praying some of those deeper cries to God that I have in my personal time mm-hmm. over the children at night when I'm praying for them. So at this point in the sermon, if I was preaching what you just said, I would say, are you able to pray a deep spiritual prayer? You know, I mean, that that would be my challenge to people. If you're listening to what you're saying and you're thinking, I I don't even know if I would know how to pray a deep spiritual prayer beyond thank you for the food or, you know... Um, help us to have a good day or give us more money or, you know, just the way we pray yeah. uh, is so uninformed as far as biblical prayer is concerned because you can't pray to some... It's like if I can jump on the phone with someone I don't know, I'm not sure how to talk to them. Right. But the more I learn and the more I know about who the Lord is, what He's like, then it's easier to pray. Right. And then that's where you're going to find your, your vocabulary is when you study God's Word and you learn how to pray and you learn what He's like. So that that's the way we want to pray over our children. And gosh, you know, it's, it's and you're going to, nobody I know ever, I don't know anyone that says I'm a success at this. Right. You know, it's hard. Yeah. But I do think that whenever we pray things with our children beyond, um, you know, keep us safe and all that stuff, I think it is teaching them that you can go to God and you can ask for big things 
-hmm. and you can and you can ask God to form you into the kind of person that he wants to make you into. You can ask him to accomplish his will in your life. You can ask him to um, you know, show himself in a mighty way that he can be glorified. And these are things that kids need to hear us praying over them because when we do that, I think it helps them to be able to start thinking of their lives and the world in a in a scriptural way, in a spiritual way. A biblical way of looking at things. So we've already read this before on the podcast about John Patton saying goodbye to his dad. I'll make you cry if you read it. Just look it up. John Patton, farewell to my father, something like that, and you'll you'll find it. But he he uh, made a commitment. Um, he says he remembers saying goodbye to his dad, and uh, he says, you know, when I he says in my earlier years, particularly when exposed to many temptations. Uh, the idea of the way that he parted with his father as he went to the mission field. He said that memory would rise before him like a guardian angel. He said, it's no Pharisaism, but it's deep gratitude, which makes me here testify that the memory of that scene not only helped by God's grace to keep me pure from prevailing sins, but it stimulated me in all my studies that I might not fall short of his hopes and in all my Christian duties that I might faithfully follow his shining example. This is a book written by Joel Beakey. He says, What was the underlying motivation that led John Patton to love his father and his faith so much? Patton answers, How much my father's prayers at this time impressed me, I can never explain. Nor could any stranger understand. When on his knees, and all of us kneeling around him in family worship, he poured out his whole soul with tears for the conversion of the heathen world to the service of Jesus, and for every personal and domestic need. We all felt as if in the presence of the living Savior, and learned to know and love him as our divine friend. As we rose from our knees, I used to look at the light on my father's face and wish I were like him in spirit, hoping that, in answer to his prayers, I might be privileged and prepared to carry the blessed gospel to some portion of the heathen world. With such a father as this, are you surprised that John Patton went to the cannibals, that his wife and child would die on the mission field, that he would bury them in the sand and sleep on their graves to protect their bodies from the cannibals? That's the power of God-fearing family worship, and I would say of prayer as well. So, parents, teach your kids to pray. <laughs> and this is not something that you have to, that you think, if I don't do this perfectly, then I shouldn't even do it. Mm, it's something, do it. just just do it. Just pray with your kids for, start off with a two-minute prayer with your kids. Ten seconds. You don't have to do it for long. You just, I mean, it's, just teach them to pray. Yeah. So. And don't be too hard on yourself, you know? Just start small and just go for it. Yeah, we've we've lost this. I mean, you know, this is not something largely that was ever modeled for. For it hasn't been modeled in a hundred years. So this is a very old, old thing. Um, and and as we're trying to go back and and walk those ancient paths, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard for us because it's not something our culture does. Back when John Patton's father, or if you look at the Puritans or whoever. I mean, they they would have church every day. They'd have prayers every day. They they mandated family worship in the home every day. That was a way of life for them. 
And so to reestablish that way of life is sort of like we're, you know, starting over again. So don't get discouraged by that, how difficult and hard it is and how foreign it seems culturally to us. But as we continue to try to be faithful to what God's Word says and instructing our children uh, in the admonition of the Lord, um, then I think we'll, we'll see, the, I know we'll see the, the fruits and the benefits of that and the impact it'll have on their life. That's right. All right, we should probably stop because we've been going for a long time now. Yeah. So I thought uh, this has been good. So our 10th episode of 31 for 31. Yeah. Some are better than others. You know, it's just like my sermons at church. <laughs> a few are better than the others. Uh, so, uh, or so, so, so I shouldn't, uh, that sounds like I'm bragging, which you're not supposed to teach your kids to brag. <laughs> I should say a few of my sermons are good every now and then, but you can't always hit a home run. But tonight, home run, Melissa, you did great. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.